U.S. equities have fallen again, but that's the only significant move in the markets this morning. The Aussie dollar hasn't gained on a falling U.S. dollar, even though yesterday's employment numbers gave hope that maybe Australia's coming out of the downturn faster than first thought. That's a less likely outcome for the U.K., where COVID-19 cases are rising, tests are scarce, and the Bank of England has been mulling over the idea of negative interest rates. It's Friday, the 18th of September, 2020. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, there were two halves to the overnight session. U.S. shares started lower. They rose back, then they fell again. The Dow is now down 0.7%. The S&P 500 down 1.3%. The Nasdaq down 1.6%. We've had little movement in treasuries. A one basis point fall in 10 years, two down for 30 years. Uh, the U.S. dollar trying to gain some momentum today, but right now it's down about 0.3%. The uh, pound and the Aussie dollar aren't far from the U.S. dollar, uh, although they have been on a bit of a journey today. We'll come to that. The, uh, the gains have been uh, right now the Japanese yen and the euro both are around a quarter percent up but wherever you look no really big movements against the the US dollar right now and oil added to the big gains uh, over the last 24 hours it's up another 2.3 percent for WTI and 2.7 percent for Brent which is uh, up over 43 dollars now so it's climbing back to where it was at the start of the month. Gavin Friend is our man today senior market strategist at NAB in London what again you say well everyone else is on holiday Gavin thank god you're here is all I can say. Now, look, you might have thought uh, three years of near zero interest rates would uh, encourage people to pile higher into equities. That's not been the case today, has it? I'm sure it'll come back, but today, very much the opposite story. Yeah, good morning, Phil. I think you're right to say that uh, Thursday was framed by what uh, markets took away from the Fed meeting Wednesday. There we know the Fed decided not to uh, keep markets waiting and instead lay out you know, more formally its uh, policy ideas, intention to keep rates on hold until uh, labour market conditions or conditions in the labour market are consistent with maximum employment, whatever that means, and where Mm. inflation, having risen to 2%, is on track to exceed that level for some time. Now, no one knows at this stage what full employment looks like, and it'll be a fair way down the track, as will be a sustained move above 2% inflation. And this gives the Fed a fair amount of of latitude. Um, uh, Now, commensurate with that, perhaps, is the idea that the Fed funds rate will remain unchanged for an extended period. Last time, the Fed Fed updated its dot points uh, forecasts, uh, where each FOMC member gives an idea of where they think the Fed funds rate will be at the end of the upcoming years. Uh, This was back in June. Uh, The medium view was no change until the end of 2022. Now, Wednesday, the Fed added 2023 to that, to its forecast projections, which was really just process. I mean, it was procedure. But in tagging on that extra year and then saying rates will stay unchanged until the end of 2023, it kind of unnerved observers, it would seem, by today's price action and made them dwell a little more on Fed Chair Powell's reiteration that it will be the virus that determines the extent of the recovery. So rather than celebrate the idea of rates, you know, uh, unchanged for an extended Mm. period of time, markets are dwelling on the negatives and to that right. point of, of why well, they, they are of to, why at they, least they are today i wonder because i mean it, it is so volatile isn't it i mean if if you look at for example snowflake that that cloud company that most people have never heard of before it listed on wednesday uh, it was worth 70 billion dollars by the end of the day today it lost 11 and a half percent but very bad luck if you got in late on that one but it, it just shows how volatile things are right now and on monday things will probably be back up again in uh, in equities well you may be right but i mean you know we can look
look at the sort of gathering negatives, we saw retail sales was soft earlier this week. We know there is no line of sight yet on a US stimulus. Oh, well, well, actually, or is there? Because, I mean, Donald Trump's now telling his Republicans uh, that they should uh, they should do a deal. Go for the higher numbers, he says. And there's, there's you know, talk that maybe a deal is going to be done in the, in the next week to the next 10 days. So the Democrats are holding out a $2.2 trillion. The Republicans bought, we know, a couple of weeks ago at $1 trillion, but, uh, you know, w- would be okay with 500 to $700 billion. And as you say, Trump urging the Republicans via a tweet... Uh, uh, on Thursday to go for a bigger number. He and Treasury Secretary uh, Steve Mnuchin seem to be okay with something around one and a half trillion. Now, you might think that maybe, you know, the Democrats could inch down to 1.75. The two sides could meet somewhere like that. But it's far from clear that Republicans will go past one trillion, let alone one and a half or 1.75. Public comments so far show little Republican appetite for a larger package, regardless of Trump's intervention. Remember, relations between the two, that's Trump and the Republicans, aren't particularly good as the Republicans in the Senate, or at least a couple of them, are pushing back on his nomination for the next seat on the Fed, Judy Shelton. So I think from what we can see, it still looks like you know, um, as things stand anyway, there, there, there won't be a, a fourth package before the, you know, the mm. 3rd of November election. Right. Well, that's not such good news, is it? Better news is the four-week average for jobless claims in the US was down to 912,000 last week, which is a 6% fall on the week before. So that's good news. That sort of shows that maybe the, the, there's a recovery happening. Of course, we don't know what's going to happen next with the virus, of course. Well, I think you're right. Yeah, that's right. Um, 860,000 down from 893,000. The prior week and so therefore we're continuing it looks like that decline the break below a, a million that we saw three weeks ago same time PUA claims this is the claims that cover gig workers dropped quite a hefty amount actually uh, from 868,000 to 659 so you combine those two numbers uh, in, in this latest offering we've got 1.5 just over 1.5 million claims versus almost 1.8 million claims in the prior week um, and at the same time continuing claims fell uh, to 12 12.62 million from uh, 13.54. So, yeah, I think that's, you know, to your point, things are moving in the right direction there, but the numbers are still high. The Philly Fed business survey we saw for, for September was, you know, more or less as expected, but the detail of that report were better. So we had a decent jump in employment, in new orders and shipments. Housing starts, uh, they fell back 5% after, a you know, what was a hefty 18% gain uh, the prior month, uh, I don't think there's any surprise in that. These numbers are notoriously really volatile. Permits, which tend to lead starts, held up better. So you pull this together, and you know, you, as we said in the intro, we've had um, you know equities are down. Early buying of treasuries uh, on that reversed after the numbers. So so that so there was some kind of positive reaction from those US numbers and the dollar. It rose after the Fed uh, throughout the European and US days. On Thursday, it's been giving back those gains. So we've seen gains for the euro, for the Aussie, for the Kiwi, for the CNY, and for sterling. Yeah, well, the pound has been that has been on a bit of a journey, hasn't it? A fairly big bounce. You had the words from uh, Ursula von der Leyen, the uh, the president of the European Commission, quoted in the FT today, saying that a trade deal with the UK is still possible. We're not hearing any news of specific developments. I mean, it's still fish and a level playing field. So it's doing all, 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 all quite well until we, had the, until we had the Bank of England later on. Yeah, I mean, it's been, as you know, it's been our, it's been, it's been our view, remains our view, that 
some sort of deal on trade between the UK and the EU will be done. Um, you know, but why the market reacted as it did, given the still very uncertain outlook there, suggests investors really have taken to heart. You know, the recent bust up between the UK and the EU. This after the UK's controversial decision to propose legislation that would tear up part of the old withdrawal agreement and knowingly uh, break the law. I mean, that suggested people really took that to heart and felt there's really no chance of a deal on the back of this. And of course, you know, von der Leyen's comments today, as you say, have just reminded them that uh, like, like, like last October, you know, we didn't think there was going to be a deal then. And what happened? There was a deal. Yeah. Oh, well, we'll wait and see, won't we? Like with the uh, the second half of the day was the Bank of England. Uh, speculation on negative interest rates that sent the pound down rather suddenly in the uh, in the middle of the session. It did get it back fairly quickly. I have to say, when you start going in, into negative interest rates, I worry about how you ever get out of them. Well, that's the point, isn't it? I mean, central bank has been running the slider all over this. They've been looking at the experience of Japan and the, the, the European Union. It's not been great. And the Bank of England has been wonder, wondering whether it's applicable to its banking system. Governor Bailey has been thinking about this for a time. It's something that he's got in the toolkit but hasn't uh, wanted to you know, think more seriously about it until now. And obviously, the headline on Thursday that the Bank of England is going to discuss the operations of this with the PRA, that's the regulator, has got everybody excited that it might be coming. I think our view is, is that the Bank of England will, it will want to uh, increase QE first, and the next meeting, which comes on the 5th of November, should see that. That date will also be probably past the EU... Uh, UK trade summit and, and therefore the Bank of England have a much clearer line of sight on Brexit, trade deal or not, probably. Uh, and it also have a much clearer view of what's going on in the UK labour market, because by that time, Rishi, Rishi Sunak, the Chancellor's uh, furlough scheme, will probably be wound up in, in terms of, you know, has, as it currently is. So the Bank of England, you know, might have reason there or not, depending on what, what's happening, to uh, to actually wheel that out. We, we still think it's, yeah. it's it's unlikely, but clearly the bank's thinking about it. Well, I mean, the other dimension out of all of that as well is, of course, what happens with COVID cases. And we know in the UK they are rising quite rapidly, 4,000 yesterday, 3,400 today. It was like 1,500 a week or so ago. And uh, and that that is the case. And, you know, the real shortage of tests available as well. So they can't actually tell what the real figures are. And this is, you know, the same in, in Europe. France had 10,593 cases in a day the most they've ever had since the whole pe- um, epidemic pandemic started. And, the, you know, this is before the cold weather kicks in. So, uh, you know, serious concerns about the UK economy and the European economy if those numbers rise. And, and, and in a circular way, again, this all plays to why is the market uh, behaving as it is and, and being a little bit gloomy? Yeah. And why wouldn't Australia be doing so much better? Uh, because... Obviously, that you know, not impacted to the same extent. And then we had uh, yesterday's employment numbers as well, which showed the unemployment rate falling quite significantly from 7.5% in July. And things are expected to get worse, but it's actually fallen down to 6.8%. And, you know, we, we were all looking to see whether the, the numbers had spread from Victoria. Obviously, Victoria was down, but really the only state that was down, everywhere else seemed to be heading back up again. Mm. In, so, in terms of jobs, in, indeed. So, in, uh, 111,000 jobs created against an expectation of a 35,000 fall, as you say, because of the idea yeah. that you know jobs will be lost in Victoria. 36,000 full-time jobs, 65,000 part-time jobs. The surrounding commentary was cautious. We have to say, given that a lot of these jobs were driven by sole traders, i.e., owners without employees. 50,000 of those jobs came from that uh, from, from that contingent, and 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 the the number of working hours rose a modest 0.1 percent. 
percent. I mean, I guess in some way, should we be surprised that it sold traders at this stage? I, I don't know. I pose it as a question. More importantly, as you say, was the drop in the jobless rate to six point eight from seven point five, despite the fact that the uh, the participation rate ticked up a tenth. I mean. This sort of quicker decline in unemployment is a dynamic that's been seen in other parts of Europe. It's been seen in the US and perhaps suggests that the, you know, the vigour in the mechanical rebound has been underestimated. Of course, the furlough schemes, the job keeper schemes are all masking the true picture. They're keeping, you know, you know, things tight until we know what the full picture of the economy is going to be. And it, it will depend very much on the length of those schemes. Uh, in Germany, we know that the scheme has been pushed out to the end of 2021. And so we might yeah. say that bridge that governments are offering from, you know, COVID through to the other side, whenever that side is, is, is a good one. Business has got some stability there and some, some, some confidence. But, uh, you know, if you look at the UK, uh, the furlough scheme is, is designed probably to be wound up in two or three months time. And of course, we may have a very diff- different picture. So this is yeah. obviously a situation we've got to watch very closely. Yeah, very scary picture. I think some of those uh, uh, those individual workers are going to be people who've you know lost their jobs perhaps and are becoming delivery drivers and sort of making uh, making do uh, while they look for a more permanent job perhaps. Look, UK retail sales for August later today. We also get them for Canada as well. We get Japan's inflation rate. It's going to be negative, presumably. Uh, no surprise there. We get the University of Michigan Sentiment Index. James Bullard from the St. Louis Fed talking about um well covid what else it's a thing still apparently uh, probably not got time to comment on all of that but look it's a it's another busy day isn't it it is it is good to talk gavin see you soon Cheers, phil. and that's it another week on the morning call thanks for listening in i'm phil dobby for nab back again on monday morning not gavin on monday rodrigo is going to be joining me then have a great weekend see you then